You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome to Disney One by One. This week we're talking about The Great Mouse Detective from 1986. And remember, as always, you can check us out all over the internet at Disney1x1. And if you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we would love that. And we will read it here on the show. With me this week, as always, is my brother David Rolfing. David, welcome back to Disney One by One. Hey Mike, thanks for having me back. I thought you were going to go with another... Uh, blank to my blank there. Oh, I forgot. You didn't didn't uh, have one this week. Yeah, the the uh, what they what were their names in this movie? I'm already forgetting. The uh, I was just thinking of them as Holmes and, and Watson yeah, in my the head. Dawson, the Dawson to my Basil, David Rolfing. There we go. <laughs> and joining us this week, a first time guest on the show, my old friend, Mr. Mark Grappengator. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm proud you pronounced my name right. <laughs> that, was, that was correct, right? <laughs> no, it was totally right. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's how good of friends we are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Mark, no one can see you on, on this podcast, but you're well known for your, for your for your beard. Illustrious, I believe. We'll have to post usually, a picture on yeah. social media. We were on a church softball team together, and the team was called Grappling Gators Beard. <laughs> yes. And I don't know that it helped us out at all. I don't know if I still have the T-shirt, but it was. Uh, I do. Friend... It's falling apart completely. Yeah. But people are like, "Is that your face on your shirt?" <laughs> like it is. Very good. <laughs> yeah, our friend. What did Russ make that? Did Russ put it that? together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah our friend yeah. designed a, a nice, like, silhouetted outline of Mark's head, and that was the logo on our on our softball team shirt. So it's beautiful. But yeah, I don't think our team was that great. No. So, Mark, you are in Denver along with I David. I am. I'm, I'm sure you guys have have run into each other probably at some point and didn't realize it. Maybe. I don't maybe, know where. Maybe skiing <laughs> ran into you or something. <laughs> I heard I heard you had an incident recently. I did. Uh, in my 20 years of skiing, it was the first accident, thankfully, <laughs> but also unfortunate. Yeah, I got a mild concussion, oh, hit my man. head pretty hard in Vail, so that wasn't fun. Ooh. No, mm. I have not been skiing yet out here. So we've been out here since August, but uh, we we never made it to the mountains. So. so so Mark, before we get into your Disney history, tell me a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I'm a pastor. I moved out here to uh, plant a church. So we're in the, the southeast part of Denver and really loved it, uh, are loving it. And uh, it's been a it's kind of a long process. It's pretty uh, fun, though. We are we're calling it the Table Project, and we're inviting people to find a seat at the table of God's grace. So, uh, we're really excited about it. We uh, recently kind of secured some good local church partnerships and stuff like that. So, uh, we're going to start throwing some parties and inviting people around and really getting to uh, love on our neighbors soon and stuff. So, it's uh, it's been a great transition. I feel like we're still transitioning. Yeah. But uh, um, it's really been a a pretty awesome adventure to be on for sure. So cool. Yeah. And that's where we met. You were, I guess you were, an, were you, were you an intern at city church in St. Louis? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, you know, three and a half Not years. Yeah. I don't know if it's an internship <laughs> any longer, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was doing there. Yeah. All right. And your Disney history. I know you've at least been to the parks a few times. I've seen some pictures. So I, I, 37 years old, I had to call my mom. Mom, can you remind me of when <laughs> I went to Disney? Uh, but we were there uh, in 89, we went to Disneyland for the first time. So uh, we were out in L.A. And my mom was a dance school teacher and owner. So she was out there doing some stuff. 
And then we tacked on a few days at the end to uh, go to Disneyland. And then uh, we went twice in 2018 nice. with uh, my wife's family in February, I guess. And then with my family over the Thanksgiving holiday. February was amazing because my it was like the first time I got to take my kids. Yeah. My son was almost four and he was just in awe of everything, very seriously in awe of everything. He has a very serious affect. But, uh, um, you know, I'm the one like weeping at the fireworks show going like, <laughs> oh. and then everyone got sick when we were there in November. My daughter got sick uh, the, on the cruise and then uh, like just um, there was puke everywhere for about three or four days. And yeah, I won't go awful. into detail, but yeah, it was uh, that doesn't overshadow the magic uh, <laughs> that that took place there. Still do it, you know, go on all the things. But I wasn't going to give up on the magic, no matter what was happening with uh, my stomach. So no matter how much vomit there was in the it in didn't the matter. Room. It didn't matter. Yeah. I was going for it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so uh, David asked a fun question to one of our guests a while ago. He said something about it was something like if you could pick one ride to ride on for like a month straight, what would it be? <laughs> I mean, we did basically the... which ride is the would be the least torturous for you sitting on it for a month. Oh, God. I mean, well, you know, despite stomach issues, um, I mean, the the flight of of the Banshee was mm. mind blowingly awesome. And we had done the soaring and that was like the my favorite ride. And my son and I went on soaring and then we went and did fly the Banshee and it was it like blew soaring out of the water. So, yeah, um, it was it's just a phenomenal ride. So, yeah, I got to do that. Uh, pretty recently for the first time, see Pandora and ride a uh, flight of passage, I believe is the name. Is that okay? Well, you're on a Banshee, I think so. you're on a Banshee. And <laughs> yeah, it, I, I wish I could do it a second time, but the line was five hours long. Yeah. Just to, cause there's so much to take in. And I'm also the person who will like take off the glasses and look behind me and see like what the ride system is like. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was sort of like partly paying attention to the actual experience, but also trying to see how the heck is this happening? It well, Yes. If you look down in the middle of it, cause like you come into this like capsule, it feels like. Yeah. And then apparently you're in the Soren ride, but it's just like locked. Yeah. There's like 30 or 40 other people doing the same yeah, thing. Up but, and down and all over. I mean, it's amazing. But, but it doesn't feel remotely like that when you get on it. No, not so, at all. Not at I all. did the same thing on, we went to Universal and did all the Harry Potter stuff and the Escape from Gringotts ride. I don't know if you've done that, but no. it's basically an indoor roller coaster with like show scenes and stuff. No, it's cool. really cool, but we got to ride it twice. And first time I just rode it. Second time I didn't <laughs> put the glasses on and I just looked all around to see the infrastructure and like yeah. what was going on in this ride because that's what I'm most curious about. So. You're ruining the immersion. Mike. No, that's, that's one of my favorite parts. So did you grow up watching Disney movies at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, somebody in the park the last time I was there, they had a T-shirt on that said, uh, Jesus in my heart, Disney in my head or something. I don't know. It was something <laughs> to that effect. But um, And I was like, that unfortunately is like probably way too true for too many people. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and in the golden age, I think with, uh, you know, the late, late 80s and into the the mid 90s so cool well did you manage to narrow down this list of over 50 movies to your top five um sure with caveats <laughs> um, that's, that's allowed i know somebody else broke rules so i figured i'd be it'd be okay there's no real rules on this show well okay good so i have honorable mention 
because I love the story so much and I always go on the ride uh, when we go to Disney World is Peter Pan. So it is just like uh, ingrained in my psyche of never wanting to grow up and uh, uh, the, the Never Never Land and pirates and all that is just fantastic. So. And waiting 65 minutes for a two minute ride. Yeah. <laughs> no, I fast passed that. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> no, the first we did it super late. I think the first night and all the kids were super tired. Yeah. But because of all the, the things that were in there with Tinkerbell flying around as you walk through the the London house, it was it went by pretty quick. Yeah, they recently they basically turned an old bathroom into into the extended queue. Is so that oh, that's good to know. Yeah, um, that's what it was. <laughs> I wouldn't have let them touch anything if that was enough. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure they liked it mean. down. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that bed what well, used to be a toilet. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Robin Hood was, uh, is my number five. It's what I grew up on. Uh, I remember it fairly vividly, uh, watching it pretty regularly. Robin Hood. <laughs> I had a tie for four, uh, cause I couldn't pick one for it. So yeah, yeah. There's actually seven movies in this list. Um, Beauty and the Beast and the Little Mermaid. That was entering into middle school. And so if I was homesick for a while, that was what we watched. And then my sister, she would have been. She would have been like kindergarten, first grade. So she would yeah. have been like just buying into that completely at that yeah. point. I had a I had a Gaston themed birthday party. Wow, that's very <laughs> impressive. Evil Mike. He's not portrayed he's, he's that the very bad well. Guy. Yeah. So and then Beauty and the or the Little Mermaid, I mean, like I said, my mom owned a dance studio and I was one of the only boys. I'm going deep into who I am right here for you, but um yeah. I was one of the only boys in the dance studio. And so uh there was always kind of a themed music uh, number, dance number, and uh, we did one to Under the Sea, mm. and I was uh, um, Sebastian. So <laughs> I, I think uh, – I asked my mom if she could find the, the photo. I think maybe she mm. sent it, but I may have deleted it. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy sure to share it. I'm happy to yeah, share I'm it. I'm sure you would be. <laughs> With the right hashtags, you know, that will yeah. get a lot, of, a lot of likes. Yeah. So most of most of these movies really sit in that the that late 80s early 90s except for number 3 for me. It's uh Moana. Uh when I finally sat down and watched it, I believe by myself I was blown away. I it's may so have good. cried, but like the realism, the the animation itself is just incredible. So, and there's so many pictures of of just beauty and, you know, for me I'm always looking for like an image of the gospel and how people are portraying that, that death and resurrection. Uh, and they do it over and over again in this story. So, and it's directed by the same guys who did the great mouse detective. Really? They've, they've, <laughs> they've grown, um, <laughs> um, in their storytelling abilities. Um, and the rock. I mean, I love Dwayne Johnson. So, uh, he's just, he's fantastic. Well, and the music in that movie is so good. All of it. I mean, it just, yeah, absolutely. And, and the coconut, the attack the, of the coconut sequences. Yeah, I mean, is fantastic. When when he turns around on the on the little boat thing, the outrigger. Yeah, I just love that part. Just like the <laughs> moving around. So, which of those was your number one? I'm confused with the order. I'm not to number one yet. He's not there yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So that was number three. Moana was number three. 
Uh, I know this is like the big debate is when when does this movie fall into the number five? But The Lion King is number two okay. for me. So I love The Lion King. I mean, the story is phenomenal. Um, I think it was one of the probably one of the one of the first movies that really stuck into my head as far as like, well, it was like immediately recognizable like now when I went back into the park and then I play the music for the kids all the time. Yeah. And I almost have it still almost all of it's memorized. So and then the 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 ride not the ride, but the show that they have at Animal Kingdom and Animal Kingdom is just beautiful. It's just mind blowing. It's awesome. So I want to try to guess your number one. Yeah. yeah based yeah. on process of elimination. Right. David, do you have a guess? I have a guess. Uh, Aladdin? I was going to say Aladdin. Absolutely. All right. (laughs) Robin Williams uh, seals the deal for me on that one. That's why I had to put it there. So um, he is uh, just a genius. He is one of like three celebrities that when they passed away, I actually cried. So I uh, loved Aladdin. I watched it over constantly. They, that is uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal show for me. That's a solid list. And uh, with that, we will move on to The Great Mouse Detective. And now, our feature presentation. From Walt Disney Pictures, it's adventure. We've got a moment to lose. It's excitement. It's coming your way. It's the adventures of the Great Mouse Detective. Smile, everyone. The Great Mouse Detective is based on a book, or is it? I think it's a series of books, maybe called Basil of Baker Street by Eve Titus. This this was first pitched as a as a potential film idea during the production of The Rescuers, which was released in 1977. And if you recall, this movie didn't come out to 1986. So, like all of these, there is some sort of extensive history which we are getting into. The uh, development of this movie was put on hold because they decided there have t- been too many mice in movies <laughs> recently. <laughs> And I, this is the first time I've thought about this, that like, you know, Disney was founded by a mouse, they always say, Mickey Mouse, and The Rescuers is about mice. And so they're like, well, too many mice. So it was put on hold for a while in development purgatory. And then in 1982, Ron Clements, who ended up being one of the directors, and he was one of the guys that did Moana, like we just talked about, he sort of repitched the idea to then CEO Ron Miller, who, as we've mentioned in a previous episode, is the husband of the daughter of Walt Disney, who uh, was CEO for a little while. Ron Miller approved the idea, but then he left Disney in 1984. And as we've also discussed previously, Michael Eisner took over coming from Paramount. So he brought on uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg as studio chairman to kind of head up the film division. And the two of them watched a story reel or, or were presented a story reel of The Great Mouse Detective, and they thought it was boring. So they said, well, rewrite it. <laughs> Make it better <laughs> in classic <laughs> executive producer form. <laughs> so they did, and Clements, who pitched it originally, and then his buddy John Musker and some other guys took this idea and re- redeveloped it, rewrote it, and repitched it. And they decided to make it. It was originally set to be released Christmas of 87 with like a $24 million budget. But then Eisner was like, well, let's release it in July 86 and cut it to $10 million. <laughs> So they had less time and less money, and the directors all kind of got shuffled around, but... They made it. Uh, as I, as I, we mentioned, John Musker and Ron Clements were two of the four directors on this movie. They went on to, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, make Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Treasure Planet, Princess and the Frog, and Moana. Make way, make way. 
So that's that. They originally had this movie called Basil Baker Street, which was the name of the book. But Eisner, because of the underperformance of young Sherlock Holmes, which was a Paramount thing he worked on with Steven Spielberg, he decided that Basil Baker Street sounded too British. And so they decided to change the name to The Great Mouse Detective. The, the people in the studio or the people working on the movie like hated this idea. And so there was even like an internal memo being passed around where uh, studio executive uh, Peter Schneider was, was mocking this, this concept. And so he came up with all these generic names for other Disney movies. So this is the game I want to play. It's pretty simple, but <laughs> here's, here, are the, here are all the names he listed in the memo. And you're going to tell me what Disney movie he's referring to. So just shout it out. Okay. First one. All right. Seven Little Men Help a Girl. Snow, Snow White, White got it. and the Seven Dwarves. Yep. The Wonderful Elephant Who Could Really Fly. Dumbo. <laughs> Dumbo. <laughs> the Little Deer Who Grew Up. Bambi. Are these in order? Yeah, they're in order. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Girl with the See-Through Shoes. Cinderella. Uh, Cinderella. Yeah. Two Dogs Fall in Love. Lady and the Tramp. Oh, yeah. Lady and Tramp. Puppies Taken Away. 101 uh, Dalmatians. Yep. Yep, and then a boy, a bear, and a big black cat. Jungle Book. You got it. So, so they were not happy about it being changed to the Great Mouse Detective from <laughs> Basil of Baker Street, but alas, that's what it ended up being. They cast a few fun British folks in this movie, including uh, one non-British folk, <laughs> Vincent Price, who plays the uh, the villain Radigan. He is from St. Louis. He is. Believe it or not, he went to Country Day, which is now called MICDS, which is a school right down the street. And you would mention his high school. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you not in St. Louis, it's very common to ask someone where they went to high school. It's just a thing we do. We also eat toasted ravioli and pizza with and nasty slice your bagels. On it. Yeah, and apparently bagels are bagels. <laughs> strange. That was ways. a weird viral social media thing. Man, there are some angry people about how you slice your bagels. Yep. So, so Vincent Price does the voice of Radigan. He's probably the biggest name in this movie. He is very famous as a as an actor in horror horror films. Uh, SNL has done quite a few parodies of him. They do the Vincent uh, Price. Yeah. Uh, this is my first Vincent Price film. It may be mine as well, but he's he's definitely well known for that. Glenn Keane, who was the one of the main animators on this movie, said that he based Radigan on Dis on then Disney CEO Ron Miller, who was a six six football player who actually played for the Rams at one point. So oh, wow. that's who Radigan is based on. Wow. The score of this movie, I love I love talking about the composers, was done by Harry Mancini, who's a very prominent composer. He was nominated for seventy two Grammys, one twenty. Wow. He was nominated for 18 Oscars. He won four. Jeez. Prominent film composer and very accomplished musician and composer, arranger, etc. He did Pig Panther, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that may be one of his most yeah. famous themes that he's written. Yeah. This was, I think, the first Disney animated movie to incorporate computer-generated things prominently. There might have what been I like a... It, Go ahead, Sorry, Mike. what I read it was the, the first feature-length animation to have computer-generated animation in it. 
And with the traditional animation, like using them together too. Right. I remember us yeah. mentioning this during Black Cauldron, but now I don't remember. Okay. That okay. maybe like the cauldron was CG or something like that. But no. but it's... the whole sequence in the in the big Big Ben and the clock at the end yeah. of this movie, all the gears and things were were computer generated, which is pretty cool. So that I mean, this movie came out in 1986. You know, we didn't get Toy Story till '93, I think. So there was definitely quite a bit of progression after that. But yeah. They were able to utilize it uh, pretty well and pretty seamlessly in The Great Mouse Detective. So the movie was released July 2nd, 1986, and it grossed about $50 million in its total lifespan and re-releases. So on a 10 or ten to $14 million budget, that's pretty good. Especially coming off of Black Cauldron, which was a failure that almost shut down the studio. <laughs> so this was a good sign that animation is a viable enterprise and kind of set the stage for what's often called the Disney Renaissance. So next was Oliver and Company, and then you get Little Mermaid, on to Beauty and the Beast, on to Aladdin, Lion King, mm -hmm. and this. So this kind of was the beginning of the resurgence of Disney after, after a not-so-great era of Black Cauldron, Fox and the Hound, Rescuers. I think that's about it for the history of this movie that I have. David, you got any fun facts? I have one because it's pretty ridiculous. There, there's a Guinness World Record. Can you guess what I, what it's about? Uh, in relation to this movie? In relation to Sherlock Holmes, not specifically this movie. Uh. Sherlock Holmes, I'll tell you, <laughs> is the most portrayed literary human character in film or TV ever, 254 times. Hmm. Wow. So, I mean, this story is so familiar. The The later... Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock Holmes story. Like, the characters are always the same. Yes. There's so many yeah. portrayals of this character. It's almost like you know who he is already. You know what he's going to do. And he's very similar to even Benedict's character in the, sure. the modern TV show. Yeah, mm. very much so. I noticed that. So before we get into details of this movie, Mark, had you seen The Great Mouse Detective? I had nothing going into it. And uh, I was I was so tired when I watched it Monday night that I did fall asleep in the middle of it and missed like some kind of key things. And so I woke up and I was a little confused, but I watched it again today. Okay. And yeah. I'm glad I rewatched it because my first impression, um, needed a second impression. We'll say that. So, um, I enjoyed it a whole lot more the second time than I did the first time. Cool. David, had you seen this movie? No, I didn't even know what it was. I had not heard the <laughs> title before. I mean, I thought that... I mean, I hadn't looked up anything about it before I watched. I thought The Great, Great Mouse Detective was going to be like... At first, something about Mickey Mouse until I looked into it a little bit more. It obviously wasn't Mickey. And it was in London, which I didn't expect. So, the title really didn't point to like this London Sherlock Holmes type story. So I could be, I could understand how the animators and people at Disney were kind of mad that they changed the name from that more recognizable title. Sure. Yeah. I love that you're going totally blind into some of these. A lot, most of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a great perspective to have because I'm aware of pretty much all of them, even if I haven't seen them. Great Mouse Detective. I don't think I had seen this, but I do recall... In the on the Fantasia 2000 DVD, bear with me. Wow, there's an intro from which Disney is it? Roy Disney, yeah, that sounds right. 
There's, an, there's like an introduction from Roy Disney saying, explaining Fantasia and how they wanted to make this this ever-evolving concert piece and that didn't happen. But now we have Fantasia 2000 to do that. But he kind of goes through the history of Disney animation in this like five-minute little intro. I, it's actually really interesting. And he mentions... And then the Great Mouse Detective, where we use computer-generated imagery for the very first time. They show a couple clips of the clock. And so that's like my only exposure to this movie, is that little clip from the Fantasia 2000 DVD that I watched quite a few times as a kid. (laughs) All right, so we have watched this movie now. Mark, you said you fell asleep first time, but you did watch it again, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what do you think about it? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I mean, the, the first thing when you're talking about mouse movies coming out at all at the same time, the first thing that I when I saw it was thinking of An American Tale, which yeah. I didn't realize was not a Disney movie until I went to go watch that recently. Um, and they came out the same year, I believe. And they both kind of had that same dark feeling to them. But this obviously goes quite a bit more adventurous uh, than than an American Tale does. So American Tale was produced by Don Bluth, directed by Don Bluth, who, in I forget which episode we talked about it in, but he was a Disney guy who oh. got pissed at Disney and left and started his own company. Okay. And there's kind of this Disney-Don Bluth rivalry, even to is. the extent that when he he's his company made Anastasia, oh. and Disney re-released, which movie was it? I believe they re-released The Little Mermaid the same day Anastasia came out <laughs> or something like that, like just to like spite him. It's it's, it's very oh, interesting. Man. It's very interesting. So anyway, carry on. You know, at the first watch, I was not super impressed with it. I thought the animation was um, a little weak uh, overall. It felt like kind of uh, slapped, to- not slapped together. But what, what struck me watching it the second time on the animation was that the background is beautiful. It is like this this impressionist painting mm. of like you know the the people standing on the on the streets of of London and all the the really I feel like they put in a lot of work on that and then some of the the mannerisms and the gestures of of all the the characters were a little like Saturday morning cartoony is what I thought <laughs> a little bit. You know, you kind of have to warm up to that a little bit, I feel like. So once I did that, I got into it. The the very end when they're they're fighting, when they're in the bell tower uh, or in Big Ben and Radigan and Basil are going like fighting. There's so there's a there's a ton of tension. I mean, they really I feel like drew that out and you was really going like, what is going to happen at this point? Well, and the, so, mu- the music's really good there, too. It's Mr. fantastic. Mr. Mancini. Absolutely. Those were probably some of my. I, I really enjoyed the, the when they go to the bar as well. That was very interesting. <laughs> I always find it interesting when Disney goes into the bar uh, and has this kind of burlesque kind of show. And I'm going, would I let my children watch this? She's like a. She's her line in the song says, "I'll take off all my clothes." It's like, hey, fellas, I'll, really? I'll do anything you ask me to do, or something to this effect. <laughs> I'm just going like. Sure. <laughs> I don't experience <laughs> that. Hey, fellas, I'll take off all my blues. Hey, fellas, there's nothing I won't do just for you. If, if I didn't notice, I bet you your kids wouldn't notice them saying <laughs> that either. You don't remember well, that part? Y- no. no. I mean, I remember her singing. I just... 
I never really pay attention to song lyrics. That's a problem I have <laughs> in life. But going back, I mean, you know, similar with, with Pinocchio and all that they're, you know, calling each other asses and smoking cigars and drinking beer um, in a kid's film. But yeah, it, it took, it's growing on me. I don't, I don't know when I would have my kids watch it, but I'm sure, I'm sure we'll sit, sit them down for it at some point. So. All right, David, your initial reaction. Like I said, I had zero preconceived notions. I thought it was about Mickey Mouse, which <laughs> it wasn't. I liked it a lot. Er, that's that's a little, little much. I liked it. Um, I think that <laughs> what's his name? Not Radagast. That's from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. No, Radagast <laughs> is Rad- from is from the Hobbit, right? Yeah. Uh, Rad- Radagast the Brown is a wizard. Right. Radigan's the bad guy. Radigan. Yeah. I think Radigan was the star of this movie i think he was kind of who drove the story who had the like personality you cared about the most i mean the the girl was endearing and you wanted her to find her dad but i think that radigan really just carried this movie i didn't care much for i just call him sherlock holmes (laughs) basil basil Basil. well and what's funny sorry real quick is like sherlock is sherlock holmes is in this movie he is they like live below him yeah i really liked the kind of dual worlds that when there's a human like the yes the human queen at buckingham palace and there's the mouse queen at buckingham palace same with they showed watson and holmes shadows talking above the house of basil and i really that was a that was a good touch now that you say that it's even more like the rescuers yeah because the beginning of the rescuers there's like each like a mouse comes with each person to the united nations and there's like it's very, very similar, which now I don't now I really don't blame them for for not releasing this scene after the rescuers. Yeah, I was trying to think of what movie it it was familiar from. It was the rescuers, the the mice and the human counterparts for sure. Just to finish my initial thoughts, yeah, Radigan, like he was a complex enough villain where he was like evil. He like killed that guy that disobeyed him by feeding him to the cat. But he also like showed mercy a couple times. So he was kind of like unpredictable. You weren't sure what he was going to do just because he's he's only out for himself. And sometimes that that could mean like he let the bat go, even though you thought he was going to kill him and stuff like that. So I thought he was a compelling villain. My friends, we are about to embark on the most odious, the most evil, the most diabolical scheme of my illustrious career. I thought this movie was really fun. I, again, had not seen it. I'm very familiar with Sherlock Holmes stuff, especially the, the newer Benedict Cumberbatch version of, of the tale. The first thing I noticed was when, what's the, not Watson, uh, what do they call him? Dawson. Dawson. Dawson arrives to meet Basil. And he did the whole, he did this, it's almost identical to what happens in the first episode of Sherlock. Yeah. Where Watson enters his lair and he does the whole kind of analyzing the smells and what's on his fingers and whatever to any, any, any says you were just in Afghanistan, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is what they say in the Disney movie. Yeah. So the Sherlock episode, the pilot is, is based on the story, a study in Scarlet. I believe the episode is called a study in pink, but the book or the short story was called a study in Scarlet. And in that story, Watson, had just come from Afghanistan. So it's interesting how in the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock, they related that to he was like, oh, he came from war, like in the Middle East. And I don't know why he would have been in Afghanistan in, you know, the 1900s. I but... just looked it up. 
the first Anglo-Afghan war, the British East India Company fought against the Emirate of Afghanistan okay. in 1890. And it remained yeah. relevant in 2012 or whenever Sherlock came out. Yeah, that's so, so strange. Wild. Yeah. Oh, uh, wait just a moment. How the deuce did you know I was a doctor? A surgeon, to be exact. Just returned from military duty in Afghanistan. Am I right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Afghanistan or Iraq? Sorry? Which was it, Afghanistan or Iraq? Afghanistan, sorry, how did you... Ah, Molly, coffee, thank you. Back to my overall thoughts. I think it has a lot of fun sequences. Like you said, Mark, I think the ending is thrilling, and the way they were able to utilize that CG work in the clock tower is very unique and, and new, kind of unprecedented in the Disney animation world in this time period, and... Overall, it was just generally pretty fun. Some fun songs, and it felt like a Disney movie. I have a question for you guys. Did they reveal what her dad was building for Radigan before they sh revealed the queen, like, when it was finished at the end of the movie? Like, did you did you know what he's being forced to build until the end? Because I didn't. I did not. Okay, yeah, I don't think so. I didn't know, and I liked how I didn't know what his master plan was. Like, it was, it was a good reveal at the end for me to like not know that he was trying to replace the queen of the mice people. I was just reminded of of Johnny English. I feel like it has a similar oh. plot, but I could be completely wrong. I'm trying, trying to read it. Uh, there's something with the Archbishop of Canterbury. All I remember from that movie is Abba at the beginning when he's brushing his teeth. <laughs> yeah, they, that song does your mother know. Yeah, okay. They do. They try to use a fake arch Archbishop. In order to have the queen do something. Yeah, it's a very similar plot. Anyway, sorry. John English is a great movie. Any other any other random observations from this movie? I thought there, there was quite a bit, as we mentioned, of alcohol and, and smoking, which eventually kind of fades away from these Disney movies. One thing I read about the smoking was that cigarettes were just not really in vogue. They were just still too expensive in 1897, so nobody was actually smoking cigarettes then. It was a very <laughs> random thing that I read about, but... They're they're smoking pipes and cigars. They weren't doing. Oh, I see. Yeah, got it. So, so this is historic, the, historically accurate. The one question I had was, uh, well, I have several, but did the Hiram Flabersham, they had, and his daughter uh, Olivia, they had different accents, <laughs> and I believe her accent changes like halfway through. It goes from like a a Cockney British accent to a more like proper upper class accent. Well, and he was Scottish, I think. Yeah, and he was Scottish, yeah. You know, Daddy, this is my very best birthday. Ah, but uh, I haven't given you your present yet. What is it? What is it? <laughs> no, no, close your eyes. Well, maybe, maybe the mother. <laughs> maybe, maybe she was raised yeah, by the yeah, mother. Yeah, she was never around. Yeah. Well, she grew up in London, so. You know, yeah. like all the kids that watch Peppa the Pig now uh, in America have British accents. So <laughs> She said she had no mother. Maybe she was adopted by the single no, father, maybe. you know? Yeah. I don't know. And maybe her mother was, was eaten by a cat. No. It does. Uh, this movie reinforces my theory that cats are evil. So I did appreciate that very much about it. All right. I don't, I don't disagree. But... Uh, Oliver, <laughs> Oliver and company is next, and the cat's pretty adorable. So, uh, okay, well. but Disney has vilified cats a lot in the past movies, like the Siamese cats in 
Lady and the Tramp are evil. Yeah. I don't know if there are any cats in 101 Dalmatians. I can't remember. Probably. The Aristocats, obviously, they didn't vilify them. but And Cinderella. The whole crux of that movie is this, the mice yeah. and the cat fighting each other. Yep. Yep. More mice. Unfortunately, yes. There was also like a, uh, a random Dumbo cameo. It was very, that was very fun, I thought. <laughs> really? Nice little like in, the, in the toy toy room yes. or where? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. The bat had a couple jump scares. for As a kid, that'd be a little bit freaky, I would think. Yeah, what was that guy's name? There was kind of the hench, the hench bat. Fidget, I believe. I love how when they, at the end, when they bring in the present for the queen, he's like the guy pulling in the package and he <laughs> says something in his creepy voice and the queen just like does a double take and is like, how long have you been working here? And he just ignores her and she just continues on. Here you are, sweetheart. Have you been with us long? Yeah, that whole sequence at the end where where Basil ends up taking over the queen robot and causing it to go insane. That was just sort of a really fun, comical moment and a, and a, and a good way to sort of break up the tension a little bit. You insidious fiend. What? You're not my royal castle. <laughs> what a sense of you, Mark. You're a cheap, fraud, and imposter. Navisham. A corrupt, vicious, demented, low-life scoundrel. There's no evil scheme you wouldn't concoct. Okay, well, let's start wrapping this up. Mark, uh, you've listened to some episodes, so you know that it is the duty of our guests to come up with some sort of rating yes. system. So we need a Great Mouse Detective-related rating oh, system man. for this movie. David, you can assist if necessary. I always love like David comes up with something completely random that uh, <laughs> the guest has like nowhere near thinking about in their mind. I just like I love listening to how like whatever goes through your mind. What would it be? You know, I forgot to think about this one ahead of time. I'm thinking too, but I haven't come up with anything yet. I get like the most random thing that I come up with is like arms of a octopus of a juggling octopus <laughs> <laughs> out of eight. Eight? How many? Out of eight arms of a juggling octopus. That sounds good. Yeah, and that's in Perfect. that's in the bar sequence we were talking about. Yeah. Either before or after the the stripper, we get an octopus juggling. So, all right. So, Mark, out of eight, how would you rate the Great Mouse Detective? You know, I obviously I've been a little critical of it. You know, leading into most of my Disney experience and all that being more in the the, the early nineties. Um, but it, it was rather fun. It was a good adventure to go on. Uh, I did, you know, watch it twice, so it wasn't like <laughs> completely, uh, killing me. So, you know, out of, so out of eight, I would probably give it like a solid, you know, six, which probably goes above what most people's expectations of what I would have given it. But, uh, it was pretty fun. And one of the things I forgot to, to say, I felt like the, the, the title at the very beginning just had this solid 80s feel to it. It remind, <laughs> remind me of the Goonies. And that that's going to bump it up uh, from probably like a five and a half to a six for me. So Yeah, and it was interesting. They had sort of a cold open in this movie before. They had a very cold open. Oh, my god. Which gosh. they did the same thing in The Rescuers. And they're both about equally jarring. It just went into it. And I was I, like, I was hoping, waiting for the buildup, like with Pinocchio and the toy shop. And there's this nice little like this fun scene of the dancing of the Pino Pinocchio and Geppetto and um, Figaro and all that. But no, they just go, they just go for you right away. I mean, it is start off with a good old kidnapping. 
I mean, my kids would be done at that point. They'd be like, <laughs> bats are flying in. I'm not going to do this. Like, I'm out of here. Okay, David, out of eight juggling octopus arms, what do you got? Out of eight juggling octopus arms, <laughs> I give it a 5.76 arms. Is that a six out of ten, then? Is that what you're That's a 70... <laughs> Is it 75? 72%. 72%. Okay. <laughs> Solid. I, I did I did the calculation. I try to keep my percentages relative to the other movies we've reviewed. Right, right. Um I enjoyed it a lot for the mostly the villain. Um I also kind of like the whole world they were set in was really interesting and just how the mice were integrated in the sewers and just kept them in kind of like that real real world feeling was kind of cool i don't know like the the protagonist could have been more interesting they could have made you like watson or sherlock more yeah i mean <laughs> only sherlock you know, slash whatever their sherlock slash basil was kind of was kind of a doof sherlock's usually not the most likable character in other mediums that we've seen yeah. so it kind of makes sense that he's just like you know a know-it-all and people tend to not like that, but yeah, I liked it. Not my favorite, not the worst. Pretty good. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I think out of eight juggling octopus arms, I think a 5.5 is about right in my mind. I enjoyed it. I don't think it's it's not going to crack my top 10, but it was solid. And for a movie I'd never seen before that I didn't have like any nostalgia for, it still kept my attention and was an overall enjoyable experience. So I'd recommend watching it if you haven't seen it. And if you like Sherlock Holmesy things, because you'll definitely get a lot of that in The Great Mouse Detective. So with that, I think we'll close this out. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here. It's magic. It's as much magic as I thought it was going to be. And beyond. I am beyond. And David, once again, thank you very much. Uh, one sec, looking up a quote. <laughs> happens every episode he doesn't have a quote ready one time i'll just leave this in there and not cut it out no please (laughs) maybe this one there's always a chance doctor as long as one can think amen amen (laughs) we'll be back next week with oliver and company some some billy joel action so we'll see you then bye-bye bye bye thanks for listening to the disney one by one podcast If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney 1x1 podcast. Can I say, I don't, and... uh, the best part, one of my favorite parts of, of y'all's podcast is uh, at the very end of the the intro with the voice guy yeah. that you have is when he says, um, um, you know, going through all the Disney animated classics and beyond. Yeah. And uh, like every time I just I just kind of giggled to myself. <laughs> and then I, when I was thinking about it, I was like. Is that a nod to to your one movie that you can't actually have on this list that you would have? Of as course it is. Okay. Of course it Toy is. Story. I yeah, mean, look, yeah, I got okay. a Buzz Lightyear sitting right here. <laughs> uh, it suddenly struck me as I was thinking about that. So I have a box of Buzz Lightyears. Of course that's what it is. Oh, wow. Well, and the thought is if we want to go further at some point. Right, exactly. There's Beyond. There you go. Especially Pixar. Pixar, the better list of movies I have. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
but no, I, I appreciate your appreciate your appreciation. Yeah, so. I love it. It's fantastic.